Welcome to the Find Your Leadership Confidence Podcast with Vicki Nedling. You are about to discover impactful lessons that help you grow as an individual, grow your confidence, and find the positive and good within you, so you powerfully and authentically become the best version of yourself. Be sure you visit our website at www.findyourleadershipconfidence.com. While you're there, subscribe to us via your favorite network. Now tune in, get ready, and enjoy the journey of emerging as a leader of exception in the 21st century. Welcome everyone to the Find Your Leadership Confidence podcast. I'm your host, Vicki Nethling, coming to you from Roswell, Georgia. The goal of this podcast is to bring topics and guests that will empower you to become that confident leader and take your business and your life to the next level. Today, I am excited to have Ashton Rodenheiser as my guest. And let me tell you about Ashton. So Ashton is a passionate about lifting the creative spirits in everyone that she meets. For the past seven years, she's followed her passion for helping people communicate their ideas combined with creativity by founding Minds Eye Creative Consulting. You will often find her with markers in hand as she's helping to bring ideas to life through graphic recording and graphic facilitation practices. She worked with diverse groups from nonprofits to Fortune 500 companies and It may appear that she's a silent illustrator in the room, but in fact, she's helping break down complex concepts and notions into easily understandable visual language, helping others retain more information while intriguing and inspiring people. She has been able to really continue practicing those techniques all throughout everything that she does. Over the years, she's brought over 2,500 presentations and conversations to life by just drawing digitally. You know, my husband's an artist and I love reading about this Mm. and am excited to have her share with us, Drawing is Your Best Learning Tool. Please join me in my guest, Ashton Rodenheiser. And it is true, you know, I am from an artistic family and to um, see how some people learn so much better using that visual piece and and my husband was a math and art teacher and he mm-hmm. actually made math more interesting by helping them see it visually. And mm-hmm. so um, recently in the past, I don't know, several years, uh, doodly or something like that, you know, the different, every so often you'll see that video out there that has a story, but it's in that animated line drawing, simple cartoony thing, but it really helps you remember it more than just a person talking or Mm -hmm. words across the screen. So I'm anxious to hear about how you started, but we always ask that first easy question. Please share with everyone, (laughs) where do you live? I live in Nova Scotia, Canada. 
Nova Scotia on my list to visit. <laughs> it's Definitely. pretty great here, born yeah. and raised. It's pretty beautiful. So yeah. come on up whenever you want. I definitely <laughs> want around. to. For now good, you know uh, someone to show you. I that. know. And it's always better <laughs> that way because you could take us to all the places that we would normally go. Yeah, all the secret spots. Definitely. Yeah. Hidden gems for sure. So how did you really get started? I'm sure you weren't from day one thinking entrepreneurial uh, path, but, but <laughs> yeah. talk about how did you get started and um, be mm -hmm. on this path that you are in this journey? Yeah. So I, I usually, I feel like I always have to kind of go back to high school and in my story, because it really does, it's sort of like a snowball effect of how mm -hmm. I made decisions through my life. So I was, you know, very smart in high school, kind of top of my class, got really good grades, but I really did not know what I wanted to do. And I was graduating at a time of the 07, 08, um, oh. a couple years, I guess, but we were nice. like going into the recession. Oh yeah. Nice. <laughs> so it was like, the rhetoric was like, well, no one's getting a job. So I was really stumped in what I was going to do. And yeah. I thought maybe a teacher I'd always worked with kids, but there's a lot of teachers had no jobs, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. So, um, and I had to fund all my own schooling myself. So I didn't want to go and do a bunch of schooling and getting on all these loans. If I didn't really know right what I wanted to do. So the only thing that I really felt passionate about doing was being a mother. So at the end of high school, that's all I told everybody going to be mom, going to be a mom, going to be mom. And that was kind of looked down upon, unfortunately, but I was like, mm. that's, that's what I'm going to do. I don't know when that's going to happen, but it will happen sometime. So I decided to take early childhood education because I was like, well, I'd always worked with kids. I'll work with little kids until I have my own. So I'll just, you know, it's a transferable <laughs> education. <laughs> I'll yeah. use it throughout my life. And I do have three children now. I did. I did do that whole thing. <laughs> Luckily, it worked out for me. Um, married my high school sweetheart. So, you know, there you go. <laughs> all good. And um, but when I when I graduated from that course, um, I really didn't know. I, I was like not so excited about working with kids in a professional setting, unfortunately. <laughs> After I finished this program, I was like, maybe that wasn't the smartest thing ever. Um, cause I didn't want to work in a daycare, but I ended up moving to the city cause I thought maybe I wanted to transition into sign language interpreting. So I, that's the reason why I moved to the city. But when I moved there, I was like, well, I need to work. I have no money. I need a job. So I got a job at a nonprofit family resource center. And that place taught me a lot about community development and it taught mm. me about facilitation. So the last, I was there for a couple of years and the last half of my time there I morphed into a facilitator role mm -hmm. and I started, you know, it was more like with families and things and, and parents. And I was able to kind of learn and hone the way that facilitators work, right? Mm -hmm. You hear what they're saying, you're feeding it back and you're helping people connect to each other and to their own ideas. So fast forward a few years of doing that and, and then leaving that job couple other things happened in there. And then someone just sort of casually said to me one day that there was a course 
Vocraphic facilitation. I had no idea what that was. I took that course uh, when my first child was six months old, and that was 10 years ago this month. And I took that course and I was like, this is it. This is the best thing ever because it was in the world of facilitation where you're really helping people connect to ideas, but you could do it in drawings. And I think secretly, I always kind of wanted to be an artist. So it was just kind of this beautiful coming together of all things really creative that I'd love to do, but never really pursue professionally Mm -hmm. or really in depth and the world of facilitation coming together. And yeah, kind of the rest is history. And it really, in a lot of ways, as you were talking, made perfect sense to me because in early education, we know that stories are told by pictures and understood, like language is learned by pictures. Mm -hmm. And so it just seems a natural thing if you had that artistic vision and ability that you could be really using that towards being a better facilitator. Yeah. So it was meant to be. It it's really so in, it is so interesting because <laughs> when I look back now, there's patterns of communication. Yeah. I love helping children communicate. Mm-hmm. I love, I almost was a sign language interpreter, almost did that. And then in facilitation, you're, you know, you're helping communicate graphic facilitation. You're helping people communicate. So like, you know, I didn't really, really realize it until almost like not even a year ago. I was like, oh, wait, there's like a pattern here yeah, <laughs> to yeah. things that, you know, that I've either considered pursuing or have pursued. And it's all been along the lines in its own way around helping people communicate, helping people yeah. connect to one another, which I think is really um, kind of fascinating that that was mm-hmm. a threat. It that truly was- is. And it was like, I don't even mean for it to happen that way. Yeah. I mean, even the sign language piece, because sign language is really visual. Yeah. You're speaking by your pictures with your hands and everything. Yeah. I Mm -hmm. I teach um, Chinese students how to be better speakers. And Mm. their Chinese teacher was showing me the Chinese language because I was saying, well, you know, Chinese has got to be the, one of the hardest languages to learn. And she said, well, really reading it is just pictures. And she started putting them on walls and showing me all this. And I thought, it is, it is. Uh, yeah, yeah. It's amazing. It's little caricatures and how they're yes. together, definitely. I always say drawings are just or letters are just drawings in disguise, yes. right? Like you can draw because you can write letters, especially in the Chinese language. Yeah, 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 for sure. Yeah. So you talk about in your your bio history um, about graphic recording. So what exactly is graphic recording? Yeah, I was fine, you know us and our all individual industries have all these fancy terms that we use, right? But no one knows what they mean. But graphic facilitation, graphic recording, live illustration, sketch noting, they all use the same skill set. It's just in a bit of a different way. Graphic recording, I the way I like to describe it is it's like more of a one-to-one. So there's a speaker on a stage and I'm creating a visual of what they just said for that half an hour or that 60 minutes. Graphic facilitation is I'm in a room with a bunch of people. They're all saying things. I have to listen to everybody and create a cohesive graphic of what everybody is saying. 
sketch noting is same skill set, but you're doing it for yourself, for your own learning, right? So it's the same skill set, just applied in different ways. And if you're listening for someone else or you're listening for yourself. So one of the things that I teach whenever I'm teaching speaking in and leadership is the importance of active listening. Mm-hmm. And so <laughs> what you you just described for me is someone yeah. that is highly capable and skilled in graph in active listening. Yeah, sometimes, you know, when you work when you kind of create your own career for yourself, you can call yourself whatever you want. <laughs> And sometimes as a joke, but also being very serious is that I'm basically a professional listener. I'm a professional doodler. I'm a professional listener. I'm a professional communicator. Like, you know, but all those pieces come together. Like you see the drawing that I'm creating, but what Mm. you don't see is exactly what you recognize. The Mm. listening, the thinking, the processing, the synthesizing, the understanding, and then I draw it and then I write it down, but the majority of the work is happening inside my brain. And yeah, that's, that's where the powerhouse definitely is. And I was just, I was at two in-person events last week. It was a very busy week. And I was talking to um, one of the AV guys, cause I was up in the AV booth cause we plugged in mm-hmm. digitally and projected it on the screen. And uh, he's like, you can't, you have to listen to everything. I was like, yeah, like there's no wandering, like where and you're in the audience, you can just like, let your mind water, wander and be like, oh, I wonder what they're having for lunch. No, <laughs> no, not, not even for a second. You have to be so present and so focused wow. and it's very exhausting yeah. more, more mentally. I think people think I'm physically tired, especially when I'm doing it on paper in rooms, Um, they think, oh, you must be so physically tired and I am, but it's more emotional, mental exhaustion at the end of the day. Really? Absolutely. So you mentioned sketch noting, and I know Mm -hmm. that's on your website all about that. And, and we can talk about that a little bit later, but explain to the audience what sketch noting is. Yeah. So like I said, it's the same skill set, but it's more about taking your own notes. So it's something that I've been doing a lot more recently is teaching people how to listen and think and draw their own notes, right? So it's the same skill set that I use as a professional, but the listening part is different, right? You're listening for yourself. Whereas I'm listening as professional in a room to everybody else and trying to create that cohesiveness if it's a facilitated thing or what the speaker is saying, and I'm trying to listen to for the room, whereas sketch noting, you can listen to your own personal aha moments that are coming up for you or draw little things that mean something to you, where in a professional setting, I have to try to remove all my bias. I mean, it's impossible, but, you know, remove as much of my personal feelings about a subject in what I'm creating and just you know, focus on what's being actually said um, mm-hmm. and listening to and kind of the wholeness of that. But sketch noting is really that personalized um, element mm-hmm. in your own, if you're in meetings or you're a student in, in university or high school or what have you, like I, my, my oldest is 10 now and she's now learning because they're learning how to do note taking in school. Mm-hmm. So I'm teaching her how to, to do it now. I recently saw a movie and and it it might've been a Hallmark movie because I am addicted to them, but um, 
but it it was interesting because it was a a side story was about the child um, of a single father who was dyslexic mm. and they were able to have her learn and present better because she told the story through mm. pictures and that helped her remember the words because right. of the pictures. Right. And yeah. I wonder if, if note-taking is better that way. Yeah. Well, there's definitely like some brain science around how are we, majority of us think in pictures, right? And that's why my business is called mm -hmm. Mind's Eye Creative because it's like your mind's eye, how you're thinking of picture yeah. in your mind. And, you know, there's all the cliches, pictures worth a thousand words, blah, blah, blah. But one of my favorite stats is um, doodling can help you remember up to 29% more information. Just doodling, like not even sketch noting. Mm -hmm right? That's just doing a little meaningless something, like something, just little marks. So what I like to say is like, take that doodling that's benefiting you already and just make it work for you a little bit. Mm -hmm. Add in the information, add a drawing that relates to what you heard instead of just something random, right? Hopefully there'll be a study on that eventually of how that increases, but I can only assume it would increase it even further. Um, but because most people, um, think in pictures and the majority of people prefer visual as part of how they like to learn. It might mm -hmm. not be the only way it might not be number one, but it's definitely a part of it. So it speaks to the majority of the people in a room. Um, and even if they're not using it as a learning tool in a facilitation setting, you can use it as an engagement tool and a yeah. like allowing people to see, feel seen, valued and heard in a room because mm -hmm. I heard something, I wrote it down and I drew a picture. And now the person sitting in the meeting is like, oh, I feel heard in this. She wrote it down. It's out there for everybody to see. Yeah. It's very large. It's there, right? Um, so even if you are in the minority of people who don't prefer to learn visually, you're still getting benefit from it, from an engagement piece too, which is really a beautiful thing. Yeah, sure. that is very much so. Mm-hmm. So, so there's uh, those people that are out there saying, I can't draw a straight line. I know. How can people get started <laughs> sketching? And I would always disagree with them because as I yes. said, I'm married to an art teacher and yeah. he used to teach them how to just, just like in life, start small and yes. work your way out. <laughs> Yeah. So curious to see what he would think of my approach to this, because it's mm -hmm. the same thing. I teach people how to draw a line and then you take that line and turn it into an arrow and you take that line and you turn it into a square and then you, you're just building, right? Exactly. So what I was finding was people were saying to me all the time, like, oh, I wish I could do what you do. And I'm like, but you could though, <laughs> you know, I wasn't the best quote unquote artist, when I started doing this, I came from more of that listening thinking world, right? Mm -hmm. And even though I've always been very creative, I didn't actually draw a whole lot. I knitted, I felt it. I did encaustic, which is like wax painting for a while. Mm -hmm. I know how to play lots of different instruments. I'm learning how to play the bagpipes right now. Like <laughs> kind of very eclectic in my like, but very kind of jack of all trades, master of yeah. none <laughs> in all of my different art our art things that I've tried over the years. Um, but I really had to develop my drawing 
style. Like I had to mm-hmm. actually learn how to draw stuff. I, I came in more from the communication side. And so I like to show people how quote unquote horrible my early drawings were when I was working and trying to figure out how to do this. And they're not, they're not beautiful by any means, mm-hmm. you know? Um, but I just stuck with it. Right. So I just try to say to people, just, you know, helping yeah. people bridge the gap to creating their first sketch note seems to be the biggest hurdle. So that's what I usually focus on the most and handle people as much as possible through the process of just creating their first one. Yeah. Right. And then they have, and then it's like, oh, that wasn't so hard. Maybe I could do another one without yeah. actually holding my hand through it. <laughs> yeah. So how do you draw for a convention presentation? I'm fascinated by that. Oh, okay. Yeah. So um, everyone is so different. My approach is I don't like to know anything ahead of time. Mm -hmm. So there's an element of risk in there every time I do it, because who knows what the presenter is like. (laughs) right? Have they been doing this for 30 years and are really good? Or did this is their first talk they've ever given? Who knows? Uh, Right? You know, I've experienced everything in in between it. And just because the person who's been doing it 30 years doesn't mean that they're any better than the person who's just their first one. Just saying that too. Yeah. Right. I've, I've captured some pretty high profile people, not the best speakers in the world. I know that's where they should come to me. (laughs) Yes, they should. Okay. I got, I'll get you on speed dial. I'll send them all your way. (laughs) Definitely. So it's, um, it's, 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 it's a gamble, but I like not knowing what they're going to say because I want to be as present in my listening as I can possibly be. Mm -hmm. And if I get too much information ahead of time, I'm thinking about what I think they're going to say instead of what they're actually saying. So even though there's an element of risk, um, and if they do a PowerPoint presentation correctly, I shouldn't, it shouldn't tell me a whole lot anyways. (laughs) So um, I just sort of like, I don't need slides. Don't tell me what they're going to say. All I know is the title and their name. That's all I know. When they walk on stage, I try, honestly, I try not to research people too much because it freaks me out. So mm-hmm. yeah, especially if they're like a little bit hope high profile, um, like, like I recorded an Olympian yesterday or not like yesterday, last week at the event, I just mentioned, I didn't know there was going to be an Olympian there. I was like, Oh, look at that. But if I would have Googled her beforehand, I probably would have freaked myself out. Yeah, right. I put her right. up on a pedestal and I would have been all like clammy. Uh, and she just, they walked down. She's like, I don't want two time gold medal. I'm like, oh, well then she wrote a book. Look how great she is. I'm like, Oh, look at that. Look at that. I get to meet an Olympian today. That's pretty cool. Um, so, you know, I, I like going in just, you know, that's just my process. I, I, mm-hmm. I don't know if that's, um, as common in, in others who maybe do this type of work, but that that's the way that I've kind of trained myself to kind of do it. And it's like, like the listening and the thinking piece for like a convention presentation, but there's also like a whole other language in my mind of drawings. And I think sometimes people see what I do and there is an element of magic to it, but Mm -hmm. it's not like I've never drawn that image before. Like, you know, I, Mm -hmm. the chances of me drawing something for the very first time on a live drawing, 
very slim. Like sometimes I'll like take my phone out and like, how do I draw this thing? Like, so give me a doodle of this. I'm like, oh yeah, maybe I could recreate it. Um, but you know, the, the behind the scenes of it is just me honed my skills over time and how I listen, which is really hard to articulate, unfortunately. But then there's also this huge visual vocabulary in my mind that I can just pull from. Mm-hmm. And I've trained myself to draw and write extremely quickly. Like if there's ever a Guinness world record for like fastest <laughs> writing or drawing, I'd really like to apply for it because I don't think I'd win, but I'd like to try. <laughs> so. And you should have been in shorthand with me. Um, <laughs> there you go. <laughs> that's makes you a fast writer too. All right. Yeah. It is um, time has flown by. I know. The problem. Um, I tried what? not to be too long-winded. I told no, you this you did, before we you recorded. Did great. <laughs> you did great. So what would you contribute your success to? I mean, I don't think there's a lot of you out there. <laughs> mm-hmm. Honestly, I contribute um, my success to nothing that we've talked about so far. But honestly, it's all of the self-development and personal work that I've done yeah. on myself. As there's, you know, there's so many things that can stop you from succeeding. Um, the obvious one in the room is the starvist artist mentality, right? Yeah. You know, that's just one of so many and, and, and growing up and, and believing that you can, like, I never thought I'd start a business. I never thought I'd be an artist. Like none of these things were on the table for me. So I had to do a lot of like rewiring of my brain of what I believed um, I could achieve, what I like, mm-hmm believed I could, I could charge, like just like slowly over time. And, and luckily around the time that I started my business, I was sort of on this kind of personal self-development journey. And so it was really good timing. Cause then I ended up just focusing, like reading a lot of, um, books around money and that were written by women that was really helpful. And, you know, so I, I, if I wouldn't have done all that work on myself, I would not be here today, hands wow. down, like hundred percent. Like, exactly. I think I did more work on myself than my actual like craft, at, <laughs> like for those first few years. I'm like, forget and, drawing. I'll figure that out later. I got to work on my brain first. Well, that, and that is true in everyone that's, uh, you know, an entrepreneur. Yeah. And it's not a, it's a never ending process. It is absolutely. And every time you want to try to challenge yourself a little bit more, you know, it's um, like I've hid behind my illustrations for so long. (laughs) And now I'm like, I want to like talk about the book I wrote. I want to like talk beyond podcast, but it's like it, I've had to do a lot of work on myself to get comfortable with like showing my face. That's right. And people think, when I've tried to explain this to people, they like, don't get it. And I'm like, yeah, but I've always let my work speak, right? It's so easy to hide behind it. It's like, no, but Mm. here's the drawing I did, but here's another drawing I did. Isn't it great? (laughs) You know, like, you know, obviously I want people to like, like my personality and work with me, but I'm not front and center. I let my, I've always let my work be front and center because that's easy. Like that's, you know, a lot of artists are that way. (laughs) Yeah. Right. So I, so, you know, this, this year I've been really challenging myself on trying to be more visible and that comes with a whole lot of insecurities to work through. So yeah, there's always something, there's always something. (laughs) Well, I will tell you, you're just doing wonderfully. So 
No, oh. no need to worry. <laughs> it's, and I'm sure everyone wants to know more about you. So I'm going to share my screen and give your contact information. So as always, if you are just listening, I'll give the website and then you can go to uh, my website or to the YouTube channel to see this screen as well. So mm-hmm. the website is www.mindseyecreative.ca, mindseyecreative.ca. She's on Facebook at Minds I Creative CF. In uh, LinkedIn, it's Ashton Rodenheiser. And Instagram is Ashton Minds I. And Twitter is Minds I CF. CCF, it is. And they're all different. And TikTok is at Minds I Creative. (laughs) And YouTube, just look up Ashton Rodenheiser or Minds I. I'm going to let Ashton talk to you about her website and the things that you can find there. Yeah, thank you. Um, do not take this as an example of all the socials because they're all different. Don't take this is not advice here, definitely. But <laughs> yeah, my um, my website will shows a, a few different things around. There's a few elements of examples, and then also a breakdown of what graphic facilitation is, what graphic recording is, and live illustration, as well as some books that I've written, including one that I just published a few months ago called The Beginner's Guide to Sketch Noting, which you can awesome. also find on Amazon and all those good places. Um, but yeah, I also have some of my values around how I like to work. Accessibility is really important to me. And I try to also make my images as accessible as possible. So I have um, some examples on there about how I like to work and include that into all of the pieces of work that I create for people as well. So yeah, lots of lots of little gems in there to check out. I do have a newsletter uh, that I send out every week with a sketch noting tip on Saturday, sketch note Saturdays, and you can sign up for that. Awesome. On there that as sounds well. great. Yeah, lots of good things on there. Yeah. Well, Ashton, it has been just wonderful. I'd love to have you back to talk more about your books that you have have out there and maybe um, have a little demo uh, action going on. Yeah, that'd be a good time. I think that would be awesome. So as always, I like to remind everyone that life is a journey and it's up to you to enjoy the ride. This is Vicki Nettling signing off. Thank you for tuning into the Find Your Leadership Confidence Podcast with Vicki Nedling, where we share impactful lessons that help you grow as an individual, grow your confidence, and find the positive and good within you so you powerfully and authentically become the best version of yourself. Remember to visit our website at www.findyourleadershipconfidence.com and enjoy even more great episodes like this one. Again, while you're here, subscribe to us via your favorite network. We look forward to seeing you next time on the Find Your Leadership Confidence Podcast.